0: Welcome to the ESCOM podcast. This is our security and compliance podcast created by Quarter Cloud. I'm Kelly and I work at the marketing department.
1: And I'm Phil from the technical team. And we're going to take you through all our technology in a really interesting way.
0: Phil talks technical, while I keep it lighthearted with a selection of exciting guest speakers. Let's delve in. Okay, thank you for joining us. And today's a very great episode actually because it's a customer is actually here with us today and this is, um, we're really delighted to introduce Craig here into the podcast room in the castle so thank you very much for coming in Craig today to talk to us to me and Phil um, so it would be great for everyone to know a little bit about you and we've learned a lot about you today um, but about your your journey and also your quite recent into the NHS so how you've got there and and also I guess why you chose to move to the NHS that's quite interesting of going from corporate to NHS
2: yeah hi um thanks for having me uh, yes yeah, so i'm craig bromage i'm the head of infrastructure at samwell and west birmingham hospitals trust and i've been in role about 18 months now so i joined at the start of the pandemic uh last year um previously i've probably spent about 20 years in the private sector i started life after i left the air force as electronics engineer started life as um Uh, service desk uh, analyst and worked through um, the ITIL disciplines, um, a few of the techie disciplines and then into management and really my background I would say is service management. But I've um, washed up into this role as um, head of infrastructure with a relatively medium-sized team, about 12 people or so, um, which is Roughly 50-50 split between um, some permanent members of staff and some contractors with some um, best practice knowledge. Um,
0: Perfect. So we've obviously, um, today we've run the event here and Craig's been very kindly been a speaker today. And one of the topics we've kind of been going through and other guest speakers was their cyber security journey and how everyone's on a different path and a different part of that. So it'd be quite interesting to know... um, what, where you are right now, what look, that looks like for the next kind of five years and then obviously how at the moment what you're implementing to, to support yourself with that because it, it, there was a lot of stumbling blocks and people that you need to talk to and how do you validate things that came up quite a bit. So maybe we could reach out about that and, and what the journey looks like for you guys at the moment.
2: Yeah, sure. So um, I think when I came into role, we uh, had a cybersecurity lead but our tooling was what I would sort of say is Immature compared to what I've experienced in private sector, um, but also um, knowledge wasn't what it is or what I've experienced in the private sector. That was lacking as well. And that's not to say we didn't have some good technology in our firewall um, perimeter security, but um, policies, government, gov- governance um, w- was lacking um not helped by me being new into role and trying to navigate the nhs um, and
0: in COVID and in COVID,
2: yeah yeah, so there was we had to rapidly uh, expand um vpn connectivity and make sure that was safe and secure um whilst also trying to develop cyber security to, to to get it to at least the point that i felt comfortable with um so being new into role and new into the NHS posed another challenge in how to navigate the NHS. Yeah. Um, what is required in terms of um, policies, um, how to access funding, how to spend money, um, the whole compliant path to purchase thing yeah. through through that was very new. So that that slowed down a, a few things. Yeah. Um, where we are now is we've purchased um, a couple of tools, um, more recently, Pantera, um and that is proving to be really useful in um, demonstrating that um, there's a lot of work to be done in improving our posture. Mm-hmm. So without... You know going into too much detail i think sometimes we're seen seen as uh, doom mongerers you know the end of the world is nigh it's very unlikely
0: from everyone today cyber security yeah, Cybersecurity IT, yeah. It, it's, it's
2: very <laughs> unlikely but it in the event it happens it's very serious so how do you balance that and pantera is helping with you know evidencing why passwords need to be more complex for example
0: yeah there was a very good analogy yesterday about we all put um smoke alarms in our house that we hope that it's not going to go on fire catch on fire but you put a smoke alarm in in the event that is a fire and that's kind of what you guys are doing aren't you you're doing worst case scenarios if you put these things in it you know it, it should help but it was quite interesting that that came up yesterday mm. i guess phil you can... do you test a
1: smoke alarm though
0: Actually, mine's le- mine's, that's mine- yeah, that's true, and also, you know, very good, very good, um yeah, yeah. But this part of it, isn't it? Uh, for layman's terms, of people understanding it from, you know, why it's important to plan for the worst, I guess, because it it could happen.
2: Yeah, there's people don't need to um, be malicious in in their attack or or, or their probing. They mm-hmm. they could just be curious, and you know, they're they're. A they're at home they're a techie they want to have a little play you know and um, you know they don't have to have malicious intent they could just be curious we we, we've got a a public facing website occasionally that does get hacked um, which is easily resolved Mm. inconvenient uh, you know but more um, annoying than anything yeah yeah yeah
0: I guess you can I guess Phil you've been on this journey (laughs) <laughs> Look at your face, yes. Um, and obviously you guys purchased Pantera as well. Um, how did that support, I guess, a bit of the funding, but also your journey of what was next and what you looked into? Was there anything, I mean, I know every, we've very much identified that every trust is very different, every story is very different, but were there and are there common themes that we're seeing once someone's bought Pantera within a trust?
1: I think it's about a bit like what we were saying earlier. That, you know, It's about evidencing to boards and to the people within an organisation what the issues are, because within IT, you kind of know what the issues are, but no one really believes you. And okay. they all just think everything's going to be fine. And let's just keep treading water. So it's about showing them, look, yeah, these passwords are an issue. We've got open shares. We've got you know various issues with patches going out you know mm. so maybe you know there's a resource issue around the patch you know patching it's not always technology sometimes it's a resource issue and it's a balance i think between getting the right tech and the right people okay. and then the, the tech that supports the people almost as you know we, when, when we're talking to different organizations yeah they're all they're all absolutely a different point you know some people have you know as craig saying they, they put a good firewall in. and again that's a really, that's one important piece and it's mm. then about what you need to do next but i think these days especially you know somebody can get in through an email or there's various different ways of them getting in and it's making sure that once they're in you're limiting what they can do uh, and then that you're going to pick them up and you know be able to remove them you
2: know yes so so it is about so right it's not all about that but it's it's not all about tech it it is sometimes about policy and process and you know like take password complexity i keep going about that but you know that's my bugbear at the moment but um the technology isn't changing if you enable more complex passwords you're just reconfiguring it, Active Directory is still there, you haven't fundamentally done much with it, Um, but people don't necessarily want to embrace that because they've got to remember a longer password, for example, even if if you're only going to change it once a year, it's about evidencing why that's a good idea to do that And, and selling it to them, well, you know, as we talked earlier, you know, three, four word, Free uh, four letter passwords you know it might be easier to remember in and you're only changing it once a year but it's about selling that and evidencing why that's a good idea
0: yeah yeah and justifying why you're putting that into place and you
2: were saying the sm- earlier about the smoke alarm test the smoke alarm well actually you can test your password complexity if you want to use that mm. with pandera and and see how that's you can test all manner of bits and pieces to 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 ensure that you've got the right policies in place. Yeah, because even once you've put complex passwords on, yep. somebody has to actually change that
1: password. You've still got service accounts. You've got people in IT that have maybe got direct access to Active Directory. Okay. You know, and you can, hmm. there are sort of loopholes or very old accounts that you kind of want to be highlighted because, you know, doing the user accounts probably gets rid of, what, 80%, 90% of your issues around okay. passwords, but you've still got those 10% of accounts. And an attacker coming in is going to go and have a look for service accounts and we've talked about this before you know they're going to look for accounts that have maybe got the weaker passwords so many organisations that I mean the NHS is probably one that they've had you know probably from the NT4 days so they could have passwords at 25, 30 years old Mm -hmm. and then they're scared of changing them because they think that if I change this next time somebody reboots that server that clinical system might not come back (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, th- th- there's a bit of a minefield, but it's about knowing where those accounts are, and that's definitely one
2: key part of that puzzle. And, you know, it's looking at stale accounts as well, be it computer yeah. or user accounts, and how many of those have you got around, and, and where's your appetite for that limit? Is it at 90 days, six six months, a year? Where do you as a organisation draw that line as to what is stale and, yeah. you know, when to disable it? And that feeds back into... Other policies such as movers and levers, and and how mm-hmm. various HR systems integrate with things like active directory, and how you're making sure that that's updated, and you know you know all the checks and balances that that you can do. Yeah, making
1: sure that when people are moving around the organisation, they're not just gaining privileges as they go.
0: Okay, well, so they start at a certain level and within yeah, five I mean, years. Yeah, you they might have people hired. that
1: work. I mean, they could work in one area of the organisation, go to another. You have a lot of people within hospitals that are on a bank and they could end up working in HR one day, in a clinical environment another day. Okay. And literally, they'll their when you start looking at their accounts, they're yeah. almost in every group going because they're just moving around the whole organisation. Yeah. It's about cleaning that oh, up. Okay. They're
2: quite risky accounts sometimes. Yeah, And it's, um, it's the other way around as well. So um, we were looking at it recently with integrating ESR with Active Directory to, yeah. to, to update records. Um, and I was quite surprised to learn, actually, that we could have someone as a permanent employee... Who might have um, access to trust shares, which is not privileged in the sense of privilege, but you know, um, it's sense to access to sensitive information. They may leave because they've retired, or they may leave to go to another role, but they're still on trust bank. Mm-hmm. So we need to leave. We need to keep their account open because they need to log on the systems as a bank nurse for ha- perhaps. Um, but what you don't want them to do is have access to the files and folders they had when they were had the day job with us it's about that as well
0: it's a minefield isn't it there's a, a lot yeah. to look at
2: there's
1: multiple ways of looking at it Pentera is a good one if, you know it'll pick up an account and once it's got that account it'll see what it can do with it the right. access and shares or what, what it can get to and then also we've got the other piece that we've always talked about that governance piece around what and to do with a lot accounts. of
0: people people we've spoken to the admin credentials—it gets it quick. Well, has been getting people's quick, hasn't it? From, from other people we've worked with and stuff. That's that's part of it as well, isn't it? For some people, that they can get it pretty fast. So it shows you the worst-case scenario pretty quick, and the route yeah. of how it could do it.
1: It's all—I mean, with the accounts, it's all about having least privilege. However, yeah. you, however you do that, you know, as as we're saying, you can do that through disabling when people leave or when they move parts in the organisation, mm-hmm. or just regular reviews of your shares. That's that's a basic one. Yep. You know, once a, once a year, I mean, even if you don't delegate the admin of your shares, say, look, department lead, these are your shares. These are the people who got access. I used to put it in a table and send it to them, and then say, these are the people who got access, and they they go, no, 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 and you'd be surprised how many came back.
2: Well, we we're okay. going through a piece of work at the moment, um, migrating um, our. We've got about ten thousand users um, across to three hundred and sixty-five and SharePoint, and one of the big pieces we're about 49% of the way through is mm-hmm. we had something in the region of 1,238 root folders on our primary mapped drive Wow. Okay. And, and about 200 of those didn't have any security groups attached so we were able to go, right, okay, these don't have any owners but so then around about a 1,000 th- um, uh, that were remaining were going through and saying, right, okay, who's in, who's in the security group for this and trying to work out who is the owner now you might have a senior member of management who is the owner but they're not necessarily the person who administers it day to day who approves someone to have access to it and it's taking us about three months and we're only halfway through at the moment identifying you know who's the gatekeeper who authorizes access and it's quite surprising how many people have left the trust but they're name is still in, in, in an account and that cleanup is it's a huge job mm. and it's, it's about making sure that we don't walk into this again by using products and technologies such as Pentera to make sure that we um, housekeep properly and check that the policies that we put in place to, to, to keep things clean and up to date is actually followed.
1: Yeah, you definitely want to check that before you move to cloud. There's a su- such a rush to go to cloud at the minute, isn't it? You want to definitely have that tidy up first and just mm. make sure people got the right access.
0: You mentioned that you were going how how you were going to use Pentera as a product. So, mm-hmm. uh, was benchmarking got thrown around quite a bit today? And you said that you were going to look at it doing it quarterly. Could you mm. tell us a little bit about? coarsely and what you're looking to do and how how that's going to work implementing it that coursely with for you a few of it in your team yes
2: yeah, so, so um, one of the so one of the things we're gonna do with Pentera is um, if we put a change through which is uh, let's call it significant infrastructure change then we m- will use that to pen test against that to make sure that we haven't missed anything and we uh, created a weakness in in infrastructure as a result. Um, We're also using Pentera at the moment um, to focus on specific areas where we know we've got problems um, and that that helps us to produce the evidence that supports proposals to change policy which might uh, be not well received if it's making things a little bit more complicated for the end user, for example, password security. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the other way is currently... My gut feel is probably quarterly but we were speaking this morning maybe yeah. we do it uh, monthly where we will do a pen test with uh, a certain amount of controls checked I'm not quite sure how that's going to look yet and that forms the benchmark of a monthly or quarterly test repeated mm-hmm. so it's you know it's not like an external test where you might have a different provider every 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 time it's consistent and that will then spawn um, what I'm calling cyber security improvement plan Mm -hmm. uh, that will spawn actions on on that plan Mm -hmm. to go and you know and that might be a small change that we put through to to tweak something or it might be a larger proposal but I very much want to use it in such a manner that we can benchmark where we're at and evidence closing down those issues Mm -hmm. and weaknesses going forwards
0: and it allows you to plan doesn't it it allows you to make that plan what you'll do as a team and and also i guess going through funding it kind of strengthens arguments or why you need to do things or how that's going to help on your journey so i guess it's it's evidence isn't it it's giving you evidence and validation of why you're asking for these things.
2: yeah i think it it will help to inform a strategy yeah. And and there's stuff, there's low-lying fruit that you can do straight away. Yeah. And then there's the stuff, as you said, funding. So what is the strategy? Uh, as we were talking this morning, um, it's become obvious to me I've, I've only been enrolled 18 months, but a lot of the NHS funding is cyclic and POTS are are, are made available at certain points. Mm-hmm. And it's about saying, actually, there's a roadmap here. There's maybe no funding to do this, this and this, so we're going to tolerate it for now. Yeah, But actually, I've got a proposal written and, and etc ready to go so that yeah. when funding does become available it's there and this is the reason why and by the way this is the evidence to say to why it's a great idea
0: yeah no that's that that totally makes sense doesn't it and, and what you've seen a lot of people using it for as a tool.
2: yeah absolutely
1: and also with pentera as well making sure that you can see that attack inside your network you know again yeah as Craig saying it's, it just it points to lots and lots of different tools passwords visibility endpoint controls you know another ransomware module um
0: yeah so we haven't quite We you from what i picked up today in the conversation you've just got the ransomware module just. Mon- just. monday
2: afternoon so a couple of days ago yeah, yeah
0: pre- pretty fresh pretty new and obviously we've been touching on it today which we've run a ransomware event about it and having a look at that and what that looks like um that module i believe i mean gary couldn't make it today by the way his car broke down he messaged us this morning (laughs) um but um obviously you said that he's really excited about that and i know and you um what was great about that module and what you hoping it to achieve and and how was that also going to support you with the day-to-day of pentera i guess
2: yeah so so we've got other tools in place but pen that that ransom um where module is helping us to make sure other tools are doing their, their jobs as they should do and, yep. and highlight, as I say, it's early days, but um, I know Gary was quite um, pleased with it. He it messaged me uh, to say, oh, you know, that the alarms have gone off <laughs> and, and I had to stop it pretty quick. So it's definitely doing its job.
0: Good, good. And then I guess you understand it a little bit more, Phil, about the module and what it actually does. And we've had a lot about... Uh, how it fits to frameworks and all that sort of thing. So um, we had a light touch kind of demo of it today, but what would you say is a high level of, of why this module is quite exciting? Or if you were still in Craig's position, why you'd be like, this would be great?
1: Yeah, it's just a confidence your endpoint security is working. Um, a lot of people have perhaps different security on the servers as they do the desktops mm-hmm. and making sure instead of like stress testing it for injecting just malware, this is saying, look, I'm going to start encrypting and deleting your files Mm-hmm. You know, and deleting shadow copies, all the sort of things that ransomware do. Yeah. Um, and obviously we've talked about, you know, it's the fact it's got R evil and they're gonna build different ransomware modules within it. Okay. And I think one thing that I learned today from the session that we had was that I didn't realise that the different types of ransomware worked in such a different way and that was no. one, that was one thing that was highlighted i get it i thought i thought okay the different slightly different maybe different different software yeah but perhaps i don't know if they follow the same pattern but they were saying that it's quite a key thing to be able to test for the different types so i'm looking forward to them adding to that and i had a conversation with Pentera yesterday and mm-hmm. you know and it's definitely it's a real focus for them at the moment they're really they've got quite a good roadmap for adding in more ransomware features and other features in the product as well but yeah
0: i think that's the main theme that came out today that it's definitely on the not on the decline. It's definitely going to be more of it. I yeah. think we all had a bit. Quite the vendors were happily to tell us how scary it could look like and how much quicker and more sophisticated and they're getting in and easier. So like, just assume, basically assumed you've been, you've been. We talk about the
1: encryption time. What they? they were saying that they were using more basic levels of encryption because previously it would encrypt over quite a long period of time, whereas now they can do hundreds and thousands like, of machines it in like an, an 10, hour. Ten
0: thousand machines they did in an hour. Yeah, I may have slightly <laughs> exaggerated. That's what we were saying. It in the was event. Ten, yeah, that's what I thought it was. I think all of us were a bit like oh wow yeah,
2: you, you physically humanly can't respond fast enough can you and by the time you would respond the significant devastation yeah they'll just be going one after another
0: yeah, yeah. And, and that was another thing wasn't it you, you don't you don't want it to happen to you but you don't really know what you're doing until it happens isn't it? It's like all those scenarios we've been talking about today of of you know we never want to be breached but how do we react? What's the right thing to do? Yeah. Well, Yeah, have and, we got the right toolkit?
2: And that touches on one of the challenges um, I still face, but, you know, uh, largely I've got my head around at the moment in, in terms of what do I do with my team in in the sense of cybersecurity and my headcount. Mm-hmm. So, you know, do, mm-hmm. do I increase my physical headcount so we can do more cybersecurity stuff? Yeah. Or do I invest more in tooling, Mm -hmm. which can automate responses and, and, you know, not get drowned by alerts? And and with the likes of Pantera, actually, you know, one or two people in the team can be equivalent to maybe what would have been a small army five years ago.
0: Mm. I think two things came up, actually. You both weren't here yesterday. Um, I think automation... I don't know. Yesterday, everyone got a little bit close when we started talking about it, but I don't know if you guys feel the same. That for some people, that rings redundancy, and that you know, automation is going to maybe take jobs away and things like that. But you ha- I
1: think of the NHS, there's not enough people. to start Well, with. yeah,
0: you highlight. You highlighted <laughs> earlier that you put you put you, your job descriptions out there, and people, you know, and no one ever got the job because there wasn't enough people to hire from it. But actually, what the the vendor said and, and I you know fairly said that automation just does all those jobs that you you can't get done or don't have enough time and then it allows you to get actually get on with the things that really need to get done so it's not actually making anyone redundant it's actually just making you work faster smarter um, and allowing your overstressed teams would that be a fair point of like so much i mean everyone's saying log fatigue today and stuff like that i've actually given them a bit of breathing space to try and fix what needs to be fixed
2: yeah so um i've well, we mentioned gary he's my cyber lead i inherited him when i picked up the team and he's great and he's really interested and i don't think he's concerned at all about you know being replaced by a bit of automation no. you know he's he's very much in the mindset of this is going to help make my life easier and by the way i can do more Good stuff for the trust with it, yeah. Um, you know, and we've just uh, recently taken on board um, a junior engineer who's just come out of university with a cyber security degree, um, and and he's starting his work career as a young man, and you know he's not phased at all by it it's very much you know this is just part of the landscape automation is here i'm not gonna you know i'm not gonna get made redundant it just means that i've got more tools in my arsenal
0: to to do my job i think i mean mine's marketing world but a lot of our stuff's automated our emails are automated our social media that goes out is automated i don't think for mark there's definitely not less marketing jobs we can just do way more, way more content. of in
1: advance. Quite oh yeah, you can be it? way
0: more. And then also, if something comes up unexpected. It's okay because very same in your world. But if something comes unexpected, you know, and something lands on my desk, and Kelly, you've got to get this out. It's okay because I planned, and mm. that's all running in the background. And then that unexpected thing, I can deal with. I can sort it. I can fix it. The team can focus, and we can put all our energy on that. So um, yeah, it was quite interesting because yeah, that's what a lot of the a lot of people said that's when it first started coming out automation. That was the first kind of feel for everyone. But I think that may be changing over time. And yeah,
1: people know how quickly they have to respond now. So I think the only way you can do that is with a level of automation anyway. Because otherwise, by the time you've looked at the log and done something, it's too late.
0: Yeah, mm. yeah. And I think also they were talking about you know AI and stuff. You still need a human brain because some decisions have to be made and not everything and you want is... to
1: review what it's done don't you you want to have yeah. a look at, check it was right so. so
0: even as even as more sophisticated as AI gets and then I'm learning that there's two types of AI um, th- that you still need people at the end of this yeah so, so
2: I mean you know it's not related to cyber security but I was talking to some of our uh, my clinical colleagues earlier this week about AI in the sense of CT scans and things mm-hmm. and she was saying actually there's a notion that the more scans we put through the better the software can be at detecting issues with that scan um and then someone else said well, actually, that's not actually the case it doesn't get any cleverer all you're doing as a human when you look at that scan is is refining the parameters for which it fires off an alert mm-hmm. um so i think you're right there's, ver- there's various aspects to ai yeah um you know but um ai in the sense of cybersecurity, i think where that's interesting is where it detects um, behaviour that is uncommon or unusual for your environment, where you might not have a rule in place to say, hey, fire off an alert if this happens, but if it detects something that's unusual, it will fire off an alert or take some form of action because it's not the norm.
0: Behaviour was a big buzzword, definitely. And over the two days as well, because they were talking about how some behaviours can be as even if it's bad could be good and
1: yeah that's why you've got to have a mix because yeah obviously, obviously if you're going to spend two weeks learning what your network does and then you learn bad things are good yes for you're saying that's why it's a balance between learning what you're using your network plus knowing what bad threats are as well yes because so balance of the two to
0: simplify it for me for, for when uh, we were talking to david he was saying um how you know you can have your security cameras and someone could be like living under your staircase um, but if they've always been in that the security camera doesn't panic because they've they've always been under your, your staircase. But that yeah. doesn't actually mean they're a good person underneath your School staircase. Confusion
2: of Harry Potter now, and um,
0: you know, <laughs> living Dobby living under the yeah, staircase. Yeah, but it was it was quite good for him to explain it to that because like, like you know it's learnt that that person has always been that's in there, normal. so it's that's normal. Yeah. Perhaps, but it's not normal to have someone. I think
1: they were talking about true AI as well and saying that yeah. the best way to do that is to unplug it from the internet and see what it does standalone.
0: Yeah on its no. own, yeah. So yeah.
1: there was a lot of talk about that. The other thing which we talked about which kind of surprised me was they were saying that there was a cyber expert there and they were saying that one of the things that attackers were doing was they were just, the first thing they would do is go into group policy and disable ATP. Yeah. And that's the first time I'd heard that and I was like, yeah, I hadn't thought of that was really quite...
0: And it makes sense, do it. though, doesn't it? That's the first thing you're going to try and switch off, isn't it? The thing that's going to ring the alarm. So you
1: yeah. need is an account, and you you can you've done it. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. So you know, yeah. Well, so if you're doing a bank job, for example, one of the first things you might want to do is disable the phone the phone lines before you before you walk in with with your machine gun. Yeah. And why wouldn't a cyber attack do the same? Disable the phone line before you. Yeah, and they I could be in the yeah. network for months.
0: That they, they'd, have the, they'd have the time yep. to
1: get the right account to disable that before they you know to their, their actual attack, and the other thing they were saying is that sometimes these attacks are a precursor to them actually doing something else yeah, like it's, it's like you... creating some noise while we actually do something yeah, else. yeah like setting mm. a fire
0: over there when they're actually breaking in isn't it it's to distract It's to distract you from what you're meant to be looking yeah. at but I found that fascinating how that what they actually try to do is dump it in there quite early on and then to, so it can learn for as long as possible until it actually goes and does damage i guess it's quite quite scary of how long what did we say was normally how long was it months months mm-hmm. yeah about 90 days and they're just yeah. hanging out in your environment so that's quite scary i guess
1: and that's why yeah you need the tools that are going to pick them up but
0: was there anything i guess on your cyber security journey you've been very honest today you're uh, early on it you're already within your team you obviously landed in covid so there was a lot going on um is there anything that today particularly that you saw or Um, you hadn't considered before or is something now that you may put in your plan going forward because it was something you hadn't considered before
2: yeah so I I, as I mentioned um, this morning I I think it's fairly easy to pick off the low-lying fruit some of the things that you need to do first thing Mm. you know that might not cost too much money it's just a policy or configuration and they're, they're maybe staring you in the face and they're quite easy, but it's now moving on to, you know, what is a more strategic mm-hmm. roadmap? What are the more difficult things to do that might need more funding? And I think, um, I think you know, on reflection, uh, the, our cyber posture is quite reactive at the moment, mm-hmm. um, you know, for all the reasons that we've previously explained, but it needs to shift gear into a more proactive mode. Mm-hmm while still being reactive yeah. um, you've mentioned log fatigue and and things and what you don't want to do is have so much tooling and so many logs that you've got yeah. to go through that you can't see the wood for the trees but we do need to find a way forward of being of, of seeing those subtle changes of behavior and and adjusting our posture accordingly and working out uh, the right combination of tools to suit our environment mm-hmm. and and that's very much the next steps for us you know, and, and Pantera is part of that by helping to identify some of those weaknesses, uh, evidence that through benchmarking and some of the reports that it generates so that we can actually weave that into the strategy going forward so we can put uh, proposals to one side when fundings become available mm-hmm. and, and then, you know, in the event um, I win the lottery and, uh, you know, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> uh, people have will have that governance behind them to say actually the thinking is this this and this and that's why that was put in place and that's part of a longer journey mm. you know um, that's very much the next stage and some of the key speakers that were quite um, informative in shaping some of my thinking around what that roadmap might be especially oh, in terms of detecting behaviors um, mm. before um, and before real action happens so mm-hmm. just detecting that slight change in i don't know network traffic for example or uh scanning scan, scan, scanning in file shares no. so nothing's actually happened uh in terms of um disruption nothing's been deleted or encrypted for example but they're seeing that subtle shift in, in behavior it's that's that's interesting and that's part of the next stage i think
0: and I also quite like that they were quite honest, weren't they? Of saying, when you're picking your your tool set, that you make sure you, you properly test it. Yeah. And test it, and make sure that you know what you're buying, and it does what it says on the tin. We do.
1: We do that even before we sell it.
0: Yeah, I know we do that internally. But I mean, I've I've well, I've, I've yeah. been to big, you know, exhibitions where there's so much, and so how do you know? And they all say the same things, and like you know, AI I thought was AI, but. I, that's also opened up, and it's I think bit the a buzzword, in it? Sort of mm. Yeah, there was a very, very good analogy, wasn't it, of what he um, said was, um, oh, was a knife, wasn't it? You could, you could. Swiss
1: Army knife. Swiss Army
0: knife. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It can do a lot of things. Um, it can open your can of beans, but what you actually need is a a, um, a tin can opener. And actually, we've got to really look under the hood of a lot of these things because, yeah, I mean, they've got great marketing. Some of them. <laughs> so, yeah,
2: I think that's where. Um and, and that's where people have different approaches. So you could have someone um, making a decision who has got a lot of background industry knowledge mm-hmm. uh, and you could have someone making a decision who, who has less. And, yeah. and it's, you know, clearly the these events that you guys put on are really useful for that because it brings vendors into the room that can be questioned, yeah. um, you know, and other people are there from other organisations that help question and challenge and you know you get a when you i know we're still in the aftermath of covid but we're starting to physically see people face to face now it's very different to a teleconference but when you're seeing these vendors face to face it's it's a a different level of confidence or you get a different level of understanding about how they are presenting their product and their technology
0: yeah and i think they were all I don't know if they were very complimentary and worked together, and they—I just—they did, didn't hide it behind anything, did they? They mm. were quite—they were quite open. Like In fact,
2: they were saying, you know, if you if you buy our technology, uh, you know, test it, yeah. you know, point Pensera at it and test it, pull it apart, see what happens. And right?
0: I think think that they what they're not afraid to do that is kudos to them, to be fair, because I think you'll pull it apart if they if they can't stand mm. up for it. Absolutely. Yeah. What
1: are we at? What time are we? 35 minutes. Oh, wow, okay. that's a good amount. Bloody hell, how yeah, 35 minutes? I don't know. I, <laughs> I thought you were
0: going to say like 15. No, it's gone really, really
1: quickly.
0: It has gone it's quickly. Wow. Well,
1: from what I can tell, it's all really good content and it flows really
0: nicely. Okay. Anything so, yeah. anyone would want to add? No. I think we nicely touched on Pantera about it being too salesy. Yeah.
2: Yeah? yeah. Nice. fine. That was Lovely.
0: Good. Beautiful. Done. Cool.
1: Sure. That, that, that was easy.
0: Great. Cool. It's like a first time. Like, you can that's do it the first all the time we've
1: asked for the time when we're done. <laughs> <laughs> there's been a, I have say there's, oh. not
0: recording anymore there's been there's been a few in there that we've been like
2: hmm. quite
0: long <laughs> oh.
2: do you need to do a sign off or anything or is that it you're just gonna
0: do you, do you wanna do a little
2: close to say
0: thank you for coming along okay yeah we can do that on on the podcast. I yeah. Kelly does that yeah good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm <laughs> out I'm out it's because I killed him the other week what did we do six in a row
2: oh, like no. all day so yeah. by the end of
0: it he was just like
2: death by podcast, death yeah, by podcast. This, it was but I'm trying much.
0: to be nice because then it means if we do six in a row we don't have to record for like another yeah, 12 yeah but you weeks.
2: do know though that men have got a lower word count per day than women
0: that's probably why he gets annoyed with me <laughs> constantly talking <laughs> stop talking at me I didn't butt in on you in the presentations though
1: no that was so much better thanks Last time last time I started I started doing the company intro, I said about three lines and then all of a sudden Kelly chopped up and I never got another word in and I was like, What's going on? I'll just go
2: and get my sandwiches. Yeah, I'll just go and get my sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> I've got well, an email to write somewhere.
0: So, we hadn't really gone through it, had we? And I think it was a bit nervous energy. It was the first time anyone had been in and it was a bit bit word vomiting, wasn't it? And I did uh, overtake. Fairly, I did overtake. Okay. All right. So that's a wrap. So thank you very much, Craig, for spending some time with us. Well, a lot of time with us over the last twenty four hours with me and Phil. So we'd like to thank you very much for popping into HQ. And um hopefully we'll have you as a guest very again soon.
2: Thank you very much. Thanks for your time. Thank you.